Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, January the 28th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the latest coronavirus news, two healthcare developments in Arkansas, and mobile sports betting. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So uh, another week, uh, 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 maybe some better news this week with with the coronavirus. Hospitalizations have been way up, and we we have known those have always been lagging. But uh, there's there's some indication that maybe we have peaked. Kind of, uh, you know. I mean, clearly the the new daily new case count is much lower this week than it was last week when it exploded to unheard of levels. But there is the increase in home testing, and we don't really know how much is there. And I notice the health department that says they're going to be changing their data system and they're going to be offline for a couple of days. And not to be a skeptic about everything state government does, but I think it's always <laughs> raises questions for me when they, they institute changes and whether they're going to be jiggering the system in some fashion. I don't know. But but the, the it does seem like the pattern and Omicron has been that the numbers go up dramatically and then they drop. But the the real problem is, is I still think the Arkansas mindset, uh, the, the hospital count is going there. It's lagging indicators. You said it's going to remain high. The numbers in ICU and on ventilators are not at record levels, but they're near record levels. Uh, you can get very sick from this, particularly if you haven't been vaccinated. And the numbers continue to show that first-time vaccinations in Arkansas are running maybe a thousand a day, and at that level, we're never going to get anywhere. And I, I just sat through a legislative council meeting in which they grudgingly agreed that we really don't have an option that we're going to have to allow state agencies to require vaccinations to keep getting Medicaid money, and it's just. The mindset of the legislature, I think it reflects the mindset of Arkansas. They they don't believe that it's necessary. They think people should be exempted if they don't want to get them. And that, that somehow this is all some big hoax. There were people talking about, oh, that the shots are dangerous. Just some real idiotic stuff, you know. And and, and I think they're, they're a pretty good representation of the state at large. The Little Rock School District, as we predicted last week, and I think any close observer of the district would have predicted, extended the mask uh, mandate uh, through April at its meeting last night. Right. And, you know, again, Little Rock is kind of this island of, of sanity and this blood red state. I mean, we still vote Democratic in Little Rock, particularly in the part that's covered by the Little Rock School District, which doesn't cover all of West Little Rock. The administration of the district favored keeping the mask mandate. The vote was six to three. And even even at least one of the anti-mask mandate votes isn't really a mask denier. But it was, I think, you know, kind of thinking that there ought to be some halfway system based on what the outbreak was at a given school or what have you. But it was a solid majority, the nine member board. And and they they voted similarly on on trying to encourage people to get shots by paying a, a $50 bonus and just generally speaking sort of a progressive like-minded group of people and even where people differed on some of these issues they were thoughtful differences and you know I feel as good about Little Rock School District leadership I think as I've ever felt 
Yeah, same. Well, uh, uh, however, however, I mean, I do recommend people they can find the Twitter link for Jim Ross, uh, who was a former school board member who live tweeted the meeting last night and reported in far more detail than the daily newspaper had the space to do all of the, the anti-mask nuts that turned out to raise hell about it. And, and we're given a chance to speak as long as they wanted to speak and they did and they lost. And so there was that piece of good news. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there and move on. Uh, there were two interesting healthcare related stories really only connected uh, because they reflect how broken our healthcare system is. One was uh, announcement of just this massive uh, repayment of medical debt uh, or, or erasure of medical debt uh, on a, a kind of randomized sampling of Arkansans. Um, that is, it was an eye-popping figure, but when you dig into it, it, it wasn't. There's more to no. it. Right? No, I, well, and, and I don't mean to diminish it. Every little bit helps. And, and I think I'm the only person who got to the core of what this was about. But because every other media said $35 million in medical debts have been forgiven, forgiven for 24,000 Arkansas families. And, and that's true. Th these were debts that were never going to be paid. And they were uncollectible, although it didn't stop collection agencies from hassling a lot of these people. And there was an effort started nationally by a couple of former debt collection workers, RIP, I think it's called, that, that recognizes that the people who hold these giant debts are willing to settle them for pennies on the dollar. And so they say $100 will buy off $10,000 worth of debt. Well, they did even better than that in Arkansas. These $35 million worth of debt were paid off by $225,000 in payments, which is truly is pennies on the dollar. But, but, but it was an opportunity to talk about ways of law that could be changed to prevent these cycles of debt in both medical care and, and court fines that people can never get out of. And it hurts the working poor the worst, and it disproportionately affects, affects people of color. And it's, it's a terrible system. And it, and it's, it deserves some attention, but the idea that this Arkansas legislature will take any steps that tilt the balance in favor of poor people versus business people was really put to the test today when I sat through another long session in which legislators went on and on and on about how some people may have relieved, received rent relief money from the federal government and then didn't forward it to the to the landlords. They're convinced that there's rampant fraud going on and the landlords are getting gypped out of their dollars, particularly from some landlords down in Garland County, which is still the biggest user of criminal procedures to evict people. And, you know, it's just, they're, they're just always on the lookout for some little person getting away with $100 while doctors and hospitals and whoever get away with millions of dollars. It just, it's just kind of hopeless and painful to watch. So, but in any event, I, I think the group that came together and included, I think they went to Rockefeller Foundation and Arkansas Community Foundation and, and Arkansas Community Institute and a lot of really good people who are looking out for the interest of the working poor. 
get a little something and, and reduce some debt then took that burden away from some people and that can't be anything but a good thing other story that i i believe unless i missed it uh i missed it today you were the only one to cover was alice walton's appearance uh, at a university of arkansas board meeting to talk about her whole health institute well and yes and it had a direct coincidental tie to this payoff of this immense medical debt alice walton who of course is a billionaire walmart heir and, and can afford to do things said that went before the ua board not for any particular specific reason that I could determine, but talked at length about this immense investment she's making in starting a whole health institute in, in Northwest Arkansas and a whole health medical, a brand new medical college that will teach holistic medical practices, which I'm not the best equipped to say, but it's basically healthy lifestyles prevent medical costs. I mean, I think that's an oversimplification, but but that's but that's as good a way as any to start. She said she'd had chronic health conditions and changing the way she lived to a more holistic approach was good for her. And she was convinced that this was the answer to having a sustainable health care system, that if we continue to have a system that's only built to respond to illness and disease, the costs are going to be out of control. It's going to bankrupt the state. It's going to bankrupt the country. And And when you look around at you and, and even in a good group health insurance program you might be lucky to get away with spending ten thousand dollars a year as a family on health insurance never mind the people that don't have that group health insurance and can't afford anything i mean there's some truth in what she says and so she's she's on a path to do something about it she says she's impatient and stubborn and it was a rare opportunity to hear Alice Walton uh, talk for 20 minutes, for one thing, along with the head of her institute, the guy who's going to be the chief operating officer of the med school. So finally, after working on this all night, I, I must beef about my life, I finally got the video file reduced to form that I was able to post it on the web. So you can see 21 minutes of Alice Walton talking about whole health if you uh, go to the Arkansas blog and find the item. Yeah, I listened to a little bit of it. I don't know that I've ever heard Alice Walton speak. I mean, she's she's not a public figure. No, at this at this length, I, I just thought it was a rare opportunity to get Alice Walton on the record, and I, I found it very interesting. And what's the timeline for this? Well, uh, they hope to have the Institute open late this year, next year, and it'll be doing some collaborative programs with the University of Arkansas, the, the medical school. I can't tell you the date when they, they're in fact, part of the discussion was uh, the head of the University of Arkansas saying, I hope that you can be patient, Alice, because getting approval uh, of accreditation for med school is a long and difficult process. I mean, I, I think we're surely at least a couple of years away from the medical school being open, but but some of the public health programs and the institute itself is supposed to be up and running this year. When this was first announced, I thought it kind of had the whiff of alternative medicine, but I don't think that's fair. It, it is. It's well, more... it has a little bit of that. And then she involved in Deepak Chopra part of this. And I mean, th th there's some new agey elements to it, but it but it's it's serious. I mean, it's going to be legitimate. It's going to be a real med school practicing real medicine. No doubt about that. Yeah. 
All right, well, uh, let's move on in a completely different direction and talk about mobile sports betting in Arkansas. I think we talked about it a little bit uh, a while back. Uh, it was it was halted uh, this week uh, over a word, but uh, at least that was the reason given. But uh, clearly, there's yeah. No- well, that one. I mean, actually, this meeting to change one word and in, in the rule that allows mobile sports betting was to deal with a bogus argument raised by the national bookmakers that aren't happy with other parts of the rule because it doesn't let them profiteer to the extent they want to profiteer by setting up online betting platforms for the three casinos in Arkansas that want to offer mobile betting. That is, being able to bet on football and basketball games on your cell phone through a platform provided by the casinos. And so they did that. But in the meanwhile, this was all a delaying tactic dreamed up by the lobbyists, uh, led particularly by Bill Vickery's group, I should say, and John Burris. To continue to try and press to get a better, a bigger share of the profits for these national bookmakers like DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM and, and, and other big players in the national betting market. But it turns out that in addition to the lobbyists pressing legislators, that they've gotten an ally in the uh, religious lobby, the family council, which, I mean, they're opponents of gambling, generally speaking. And so they have been using some of their legislators, like Kim Hammer, to raise questions about this arrangement, nominally about the technicalities of the rule, but really just as part of the anti-gambling forces. And they hope eventually to to slow things down enough that they can get a bigger share of the profit. The casinos, however, are pretty powerful in their own right. I mean, it's Oakland Park, which is supremely powerful in Arkansas. There's Southland, which is very influential in East Arkansas. And then there's Saracen Casino and Pine Bluff, which is certainly popular in that part of the state because they brought a lot of money to Jefferson County. So they have they have a lot of lobbying might on their own. I think they are confident that mobile betting will come and it will come with this rule that that prevents national bookmakers from taking more than 49% of the, the profit that's made on, on online sports betting. We shall see. But the big the big news really was is the fact that it got delayed this week. It was supposed to be approved this week by the Legislative Council. Yeah. You're not going to be able to bet on the Super Bowl on your cell phone, at least not legally. And the question is, is whether they can get it done in time for the NCAA basketball tournament. Wins of, I guess it starts in March, but I guess it finishes till April, maybe in time for the championship game. But uh, it won't be until the February meeting of the Legislative Council at the earliest that they'll be able to give legislative approval to the sports uh, betting rule. So in in the meanwhile, you can go to the casinos and bet on on sports, but you can't do it on your phone. But I suspect there's still some people taking illegal, booking illegal bets in Arkansas somewhere. That'd be my guess. (laughs) I suspect so. All right, let's, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Well, well, two two reading projects that I just the two lengthy articles that I just couldn't recommend more. One is at Vanity Fair. It's online now. Uh, Gabriel Sherman piece about Jerry Falwell Jr. and the scandal with the pool boy and his wife, and how Jerry Falwell really wasn't quite as holy as his father was. Just sort of a fascinating 
they just gave him utter total access. And it's an interesting piece about the Falwell dynasty and the splits in the family and and lots of salacious stuff about his life's affair with a pool boy, too. I'm, I'm, although they don't necessarily uh, confirm all of the pool boy's details of the affair. But if you like that sort of thing, there's a lot there. And the other thing is I got to pat you on the back. I just got through reading your history of Vino's, your and, and Rhett Brickley's history of Vino's, the music venue, pizza parlor, brew pub uh, that's now, what, 30 years old? on 7th Street and it's I just it just captured so much zeitgeist from so many different eras and and Little Rock I happen to have I mean I've been to Vino's not many shows there I guess I was a Red Octopus Theater aficionado and so I saw that there and I might have seen one good folk show there I was not a punk rocker but I like their pizza and I like I like drinking beer there but my my being reminded me I favored Vino's stories my son in his years was, I don't know if you'd call him a punk rocker, but he was into the live music scene. He went to a lot of shows at Vino's. And one night I woke up and looked out my front door and there was this beat up car with a skull and bones painted on it. And I thought somebody in the neighborhood here is a dangerous person. <laughs> and, and Fritz woke up and he said, oh, I won that last night at Vino's. <laughs> and he won some drawing that had a live music show. And he said, but it was second prize. First prize was a bicycle, which I was hoping I was going to win, but I won the car instead. And he, they get, it came with a big jug of brake fluid because you had to add brake fluid to it about every three blocks so the car wouldn't stop. <laughs> and so, the, and the, although Fritz tells me actually the car, he just told me that the car was actually first prize in the bike. And I always thought the best part of the story was the car was second prize to a bicycle, but <laughs> but it should have been second prize to a bicycle because it was not safe at oh, any that's, speed. That's anyway, fine. That's, well, that's my Vino story. Well, uh, this didn't make it in, but John Cushmall, the the accomplished uh, painter, and he's a producer at, at Fox 16 and KRK, who worked at Vino's for a long time and is a big regular, told me that he won a bike at Vino's and didn't drive a car for like six years. I wonder if that was the maybe same. maybe he won the bike. <laughs> maybe he was a lucky bike winner. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you talked about it. I was going to I was going to commend it to folks as well. Uh, you know, the the thing that I did not know before I got into it that I was really struck is that uh, Alan Venice and Henry Lee and Bill Perotti were all finance guys. Well, Bond Daddy. Yeah, it's that's it. I mean that that's me is one of the the most fascinating periods of Little Rock history, and I guess oh, you and that. they were in the soft underbelly of the Bond Daddy era. I've got I've got to tell you, I mean, you know, selling unregulated securities and dealing with the S and Ls. I mean, that was when Little Rock was blowing and going. It was a wide open town in the securities business. I I really wish we could have gotten a picture of Alan Venison. I looked him up. He's a really striking looking guy. Had a had a pompadour back in the day and was a really accomplished musician. So it's funny to think that he was in the finance world, but, but maybe it was wild and crazy. The uh, other couple of notes, I didn't get to talk to Bill Perotti, but Razorback fans will recognize that last name because his son was the punt returner all year. He was one of the original founders. He lives in Texas now. And then, you know, another thing that we didn't, we, we included whether people work there and what bands they played in, but, 
uh, among the people who work there, it's just a, a tremendous number have gone on to huge success or, or people who, who uh, you know, view Vinos as a, a pivotal to their kind of development. Uh, you know, Nate Powell won the National Book Award. He started playing That's, music yeah, there. Yeah, I saw Nate Powell. Uh, wow. uh, uh, Jason uh, White is a full-fledged member of Green Day now. Jeff Matika, who had the line about how he wanted to work at Venus forever, and now he works at the library. He plays with, with Green Day when they go on tour. Jenny Sims, who worked there for years and years, is a nationally regarded potter. She was in New York Magazine not long ago. Um, on and on. I mean, the people people who worked at Vino's, uh, Graham Cobb, who I didn't get to talk to and was a manager for a long time, was the head of the Chamber of Commerce at Bentonville for a long time. So it, it was a it was a real kind of foundational place for a lot of people who've gone in unexpected. Uh, well, some some unexpected, some not, uh, but but have gone on to do some some really cool things. Uh, it made me hungry for a calzone. I think Vino's is really the only place you can get a calzone. Yeah, it's it's the only literally. calzone outlet that I'm aware of. It's it's a good place, I, I must say. And and they didn't really shy. It's still a dump. <laughs> yeah, no, they they'll own up to that. But that 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 adds to its appeal, I think. All right, well, yeah, check it out. That's on uh, newsstands where you find the Arkansas Times or online at arctimes.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. We'll be back next week. We'll see you.